0: Perfect. All right. Great. So we're going to continue today uh, in, our, in our annual kind of fall rhythm known as our vision series. And what's important about our vision series is it kind of sets the stage or lays the foundation of who we are and what we believe here at River's Edge. It gives us a common understanding of who we are as a community, what God is calling us to, and who God is calling us to be. And everything we talk about in our vision series centers around one simple phrase. Matt brought it up last week. We're going to continue to kind of uh, reiterate it over the next couple of weeks. Our identity and calling as a church can be summed up this way. We at River's Edge are a family of missionary disciples who live to see God's will done in Spokane as it is in heaven. So you see the words family, missionary, disciple. Disciple. Last week, Matt Karsh talked about what it means to be a family, what it means to be the people of God. Today, we're going to, to get a little bit deeper into what it means to be a missionary or what it means to be on mission with God. And next week, Matt Deason will unpack what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. Thank you, Matt, for praying for us this morning. My prayer is that as we gather together today, God would speak clearly to us, He would give us His words, and He would just speak into our hearts the things that he has planned for us here at River's Edge. If you were with us last Sunday, you heard Matt Karsh unpack the question of what does it mean to be the family of God. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. We, we tape the, the sermons each week because it's really important that, that we, we understand these central ideas of what it means to be our, what, it, what it means to have our calling at River's Edge to be brothers and sisters in a family, adopted in and through Jesus into the family of God. Matt said our reconciliation to God and to one another should completely change the way we, that we live our life together as a community. And I love what Karsh said last week about how, as a family, we're mutually committed to one another, we're here for each other's successes. But we need to stretch as a family. We need to be stretched. We need to become the full expression of who God intends us to be here at River's Edge and as his family, as the people of God, known as the people of God. And this week, as I mentioned, we're going to continue the vision series by drawing out and focusing on a key aspect of this family that Karsh talked about, which is our identity as missionaries. To answer that question, we're going to start in the beginning, so if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to jump right into Genesis chapter 12, and, and, and we're going to go ahead and get started. It should be up on the screen as well as we read through that. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land of I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will will be blessed through you. What we see here in Genesis chapter 12 is the beginning of God's promise of redemption. He promises Abram at that time and his descendants that he's going to make them into a great nation and that they will be blessed and will be a blessing to the world. Because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we, all of us, are actually adopted into Abraham's family. And have that same blessed to be a blessing mentality or that same blessed to be a blessing mission from God. Like Matt Karsh talked about last week, the people of God are a family. But we're not just any family. We are a family specifically called to bless the world. Notice the pattern in Genesis 12 if you have your Bibles open. I will bless you. And you, in turn, will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, God says. So the people of God really are a means through which God is blessing the world. As the people of God, we stand at the interface. We stand kind of in between the creator and the creation and draw together the healing and redemption between God and the world. This is what we mean when we talk about the language of mission. We're called to stand between God's intention for his creation and his ultimate outcome for what he intends the world to become. That's who we are. That's who we are as the people of God. It's interesting, too, as we draw together this healing and redemption theme, it's it's so important to who we are as, as a people here at River's Edge, because we live right in the middle of a pocket of Spokane that is vastly in need of healing and redemption. You can't help but listen to what's going on down in Freeman this last week and not believe that we aren't living in a society that is vastly in need of healing and redemption. That's what God is calling us to be a part of. He's calling us to be a part of that mission. So this is what it means when we talk about the language of mission. I know the word mission might sound a little churchy to some of you, but really what we mean by mission is that as the people of God, we have a mission, we have a purpose, we have a task, we have a calling. We are called by God to bless the world, to bless those who don't know him and those who do. This is essentially the story of the Bible from Genesis on through Revelation. And as we get started this morning, I wanted to provide a brief sketch of the story of the Bible, what we kind of call the meta narrative It's the, the large overarching story of God in the Bible. There's a guy by the name of Chris Wright who wrote a book called The Mission of God. And he's very formative in, in the understanding of how we look at this meta-narrative. Because we need to take a look at the Bible, not as a book. It's actually more like a library. It's a library filled with with, with thousands of stories by by many different authors over a millennia or more of years. But those stories and those authors, over all of those years, all tell one story the story of God. See, that's because we can read from Genesis to Revelation. Sometimes we can lose sight of the fact that the scripture writers are actually telling one story. But the meta narrative is this big story that starts in the beginning and goes all the way to the end and beyond. You can say the story of the Bible is the mission of God, and the mission of God is the story of the Bible. Chris Wright talks about it this way, and he breaks up that big story in four different sections. Karsh thinks five. I still think there's four. The first story, the first block is is creation, Genesis 1 and 2. God speaks all things into being. In the beginning, it says, God existed. In the beginning, God spoke light into being. He spoke substance into being. He spoke people into being. All of this was created. Genesis 1 and 2 captures that story. The second block of this big story is called the fall. It starts in Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we see this concept of sin entering into the world through the choices of two people that were created by God, Adam and Eve. So the fall then permeates the story all the way through the Bible. The fall and sin taint different aspects of the story and stories that take place through the, the, the narrative of the people of Israel, through the prophets, through the wisdom literature, into the New Testament are tainted by this aspect of the fall. The third part, though, of this big meta narrative is the redemption part. And that's what really begins in Genesis chapter 12. That's what we're focusing on this morning. Because in Genesis chapter 12, God begins to introduce his plan for how he's going to redeem humanity, redeem humanity who has fallen. And he does that through this person initially and his call, the person of Abram, and his call to be a blessing, to bless others and be the person that God will bless his creation once again through. Through Abraham then, Israel, and all the way up to Jesus, who N.T. Wright, by the way, calls the true Israel. Redemption and restoration come through this Jesus. And the final act of the new creation, which begins with Jesus and then builds up to a climax until really the last two chapters of the book of Revelation, chapters 21 and 22, where we see a new heaven and a new earth coming into being meaning all of the universe is being remade into the original intention that God intended for the glory of God. God now, once again, is at the center of his creation. When we look at the story this way, we see two things, I think, clearly. The first thing is this. God wants to bring healing and restoration back to all of creation. God wants to bring healing and restoration back to creation. It's why he reintroduced this call to Abraham as the people of God, as the nation that he would grow Abraham and his descendants into, known as the people of God. The story doesn't end with all of heaven singing amazing grace for all of eternity. The story ends in a city here on earth. With human beings ruling over the world under and even alongside Jesus. The kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So the mission of God is universal in scope. This means all of life comes under the definition of mission, not just evangelism, but all sorts of things work, your job. What you do every single day, the arts, medicine, politics, science, technology, environmental care, social justice, community, all sorts of things fall under the definition of the mission of God. So the first thing God wants to do, he wants to bring healing and restoration to all of creation. The second thing that we need to see is this. The way God wants to bring healing and restoration to all of creation is through his people. He wants to bring healing and restoration back to his creation through his people. We need to get that. We need to really get that and understand that. I will bless you and you will be a blessing, God says to Abram. You see, Israel was always a means to an end. The means God intended to use to bring healing and restoration to his fallen creation God always intended to bless all peoples on earth through Israel and if you follow the narrative line from Abraham through Israel to Jesus and now the church nothing has changed the point of the church the point I believe of River's Edge is really for God to bless the world through his church That's why we have the words posted up on the wall behind me here in Spokane, as it is in heaven. It's really what we believe. It's part of the identity of who we are. The point of River's Edge is for God to bring blessing and hope to the neighborhoods and the communities in which we live and work. In other words, we hope to be a blessing and for God to bring blessing through River's Edge church. It's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission. God's mission. Let me say that again. It's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church. It's not so much the case that God has a mission for you, for me. It's that, that, that we were created specifically to be on mission with God, God's mission. You see the difference? See, oftentimes we think, yeah, our church has a mission, we go somewhere, we do this, we do that, we're out in the community, and those are all good things. But really, if we were to look at mission in the concept of God who created us and brought us into being as River's Edge Church here this morning, as his people of God, the expression locally known as River's Edge Church, God has a mission that he has always known what it is. He has always, from the beginning when he called Abraham and his family and gave them that blessing, he has known how he is going to bring his creation back into blessing and into the opportunity to glorify him. And he is using us to be on mission with him. It's what mission means problem we face though and to some extent share with the stories of scripture and the people of scripture and the stories that that are in there is this is that everything gets ingrown and people of God the people of God grow further and further away from the intended mission of God and apathy and entitlement and fear and insecurity and anger and malice and rage all contribute to to this separation from God's mission. You see that throughout the Old Testament stories. Time after time, the prophets in the Old Testament called back the people of God to their mission. They call them back. In in Isaiah, Israel is a mess. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah is, is a complete... Israel is in a complete state of chaos... They're spinning out of control. There's idolatry. Oh, idolatry. There's injustice. They're listen, and, and listen to what, what God says through Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 42. I, Isaiah 42, 5. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of heavens and earth. Who stretches them out. Who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it. Who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I love how Matt was sitting up here with his son, Eli, in his arms. You see Eli reaching out for the microphone? He took hold of his hands and he just held it there because he needed some direction. I, the Lord, have called you into righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people, a light for the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. What Isaiah is doing is he's calling Israel back to be a light to the Gentiles, the beacon of hope to bring people to bring people back to God, as God originally intended his creation to be, a blessing. And Jesus picks up this same theme in his Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember our series? If you were with us in the spring, we went through a series called the Sermon on the Mount. Matt liked to call it the Sermon on the Hillside. Is that what you called it? Sermon on the Little Mountain or something? After a series of blessings, known as the, the Beatitudes, Jesus who said, you know, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the meek. So Jesus picks up this theme of bless, blessing, and he blesses the people who are there. And after this series of blessings, which we know as the Beatitudes, Jesus says this in verse 14, Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world town built on a hill which cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What is Jesus doing? He's doing the same thing that Isaiah was doing in the Old Testament. He's calling the people back to center. He's calling them back to the mission of God. And Jesus' words still ring true this morning. Don't let your life drift away from the mission that God has placed you to bless the world. You are a family called to bless the world. So what does that look like? What does it look like to live out this calling as the people of God? First thing we need to understand, we need to understand and own, actually, our calling as a redeemed people called to live redemptive lives. We are, if we have put our hope and our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Matt's going to talk about that next week in discipleship. We are a called people, and we have been redeemed, and we are called to live redemptive lives. In other words, our goal is to be with Jesus, live like Jesus, and carry on Jesus' work in the world. That's really what it means to be a disciple. Matt's going to focus on that in detail next week. But we're called to live redeemed lives as redeemed people. Why? So people will see Jesus. The people that you're with will see Jesus. So that the people that you live with and work with will see and ask, what's different about you? What's going on with you? I want to know more about this Jesus. See, people are watching us live out our lives. They're watching us live out our lives every day, and we need to tell the story of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, and some of that involves actually telling the story of Jesus. But our lives speak volumes as well. The mission of God to redeem his creation is worked out through our lives, through the church. So so the first thing we need to understand is that we're, we're called to be a redeemed people and live redemptive lives. The second thing we need to do is answer this question of why we are here. It really speaks to our purpose. And our purpose is just that. We're here to tell the story of Jesus. To tell the story of the love of God. Restoration says that's our purpose. To join in the mission of God. Why? Because the mission of God has a church. The mission of God has you, Sarah. and Flav. The mission of God has each one of you sitting here today called to tell people who this Jesus is, why he matters, what he's done in your life, what he can do in their lives. We need to tell the full story of creation and fall and redemption and restoration of the new creation. And our lives need to tell that. N.T. Wright, one of my favorite New Testament scholars, says this. He says, an essential part of our theological and missional task today is to tell this story as clearly as possible and to allow it to subvert other ways of telling the story Of the world or as Jesus said go into all the world and preach the gospel tell the story in such a way that it subverts all the other stories that people are hearing and believe me people are hearing stories everywhere they go from all different sources So this means a couple things. One is we actually have to speak the good news of the gospel out loud, like I mentioned before. You actually have to tell people about Jesus, but we also want our lives to be a witness to Jesus. Remember what Jesus said back in Matthew five sixteen: Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. What could we accomplish at River's Edge Church in the mission of God if we simply live such good lives among our neighbors that they what? That they see how we're living and they glorify God. I could ask people to stand who have had neighbors who by simply living out the gospel are here at River's Edge this morning and I would probably get more than half of you standing up I know many of you, I know many of the stories and why you're here because your neighbors because you are living such lives that people take notice people want to be a part of what you're a part of because they can see that you have a hope they can see that you have a future, they can see that there's a place that you're going and that someone's leading you and someone's guiding you through life. Being with people so that people can be with Jesus. Do you ever think of your life that way? When you invite your next door neighbor over for a barbecue, do you realize that you're with them so that they can be with Jesus, so that they can see Jesus? So that can see why your life is different and that they want to be a part of that? They can see the gospel lived out through everyday lives, to the everyday lives of ordinary people that they live next to. They notice the little, the little things that you do that are different than the other people that they live next to, and they start to wonder why. They start to wonder why. They start to ask that question in their own hearts. Simply because you're living your life as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus. Jesus. We use missional communities here as our small groups. A missional community is by definition meant to be and do just that. It's a community that is regularly eating and drinking with people in need of redemption and restoration. It's how I came to know Jesus. 1975, 1976, before more than half of you were born, And I needed a savior. Believe me, I could tell you stories. And it was my friends who were living their lives a little differently than I was, who said, hey, why don't you come to this thing on Tuesday nights, it's called Young Life. And I started to go and it was fun. And I was hearing stories I hadn't heard before and I was singing songs that I hadn't heard before and I had never sung before for sure. And all of a sudden, in April of 1976, when the, when, the, when the guy was standing up and he was talking, it was as if he was talking exactly to me, and every word he was saying, I was hearing here, not here, I was hearing right here. And it was because my friends were willing to tell me about a person whose name was Jesus who changed their life. Forty-one years later, I stand before you this morning with an opportunity to share the same story with you about this Jesus who wants to change your life, who wants to redeem your life, who wants to call you into a relationship not only with him but with his people. Last Sunday, if you were here in the afternoon, we went down to Audubon Park and we just hung out and we ate barbecue and we laughed and some people played basketball and volleyball and I'm just gonna say way too intensely, you need to take it down about 10 notches. We're supposed to love one another. But we did that right in the middle of Audubon Park. And people were walking by and people across the street were coming out of their houses and they were looking and they were watching and they were wondering. And maybe, just maybe, some of them will end up here because we just lived our life as Jesus has called us to live it. Redemptively. So to close this morning, I want to ask you this question. How do we partner with Jesus in the mission of God at River's Edge how do you partner with Jesus in the mission of God the first is we do it through disciple making Jesus said in Matthew 28 we're called to make disciples next week Matt is going to spend a whole teaching on discipleship but that's the first way grab someone Teach them what it means to live and love like Jesus did. The second thing is we need to realize that wherever we are, wherever you are is a mission field. Wherever you are, at work, at play, at home, in the classroom, at your university, on the street, at the checkout stand, at Rosars, wherever you are is the mission field for you and Jesus says you are the light of the world let your light so shine before others that they may what that they may see who you are and how you live and that they may glorify his name and the third thing we do here at River's Edge is we partner through social justice we do that locally and we do that globally we reach out locally. We reach out locally through marginalized people in society. We reach out locally through a group known as unaccompanied refugee minors. These are kids that are brought from other, company, uh, other countries that have no, they have nothing. They have no family. They have no possessions. They have no means of supporting themselves. You know what we do? We just, through, through a ministry that Matt Martin leads up for us, We reach out to them and we love on them. We play soccer with them. We create a little community for them. And we live redemptively in their presence so that they can maybe someday ask the same question Who is this Jesus? Why should he matter in my life? Oh, I remember those guys at and girls at that church called River's Edge. They were pretty cool. They didn't do anything except just play with me, love me, support me, care about me, ask questions about what was important in my life. We do that in Spokane for this reason, that it would be in Spokane as it is in heaven. We travel to the Philippines. We go to South Africa. I leave for South Africa on Wednesday of this week. You can pray for me. Matt has been to Uganda. Nicaragua, which ended up being Houston this year. Why do we do that? Why do we do that here at River's Edge? Why do you do that? Why are we calling you to be a part of that? Because our going and our doing is a part of the global redemptive mission of God. Gary Breshears calls it inconveniencing ourselves for the sake of others. And uh, believe me, when you think it's an inconvenience, you find that it is nothing but blessing. We are called to bless the world. Are we... Blessing the world? Are we inconveniencing ourselves for the sake of others? Are we doing that locally? Are we doing that globally? Are we doing that in ways that God is calling us to do that? Live a redeemed life. Tell the redemptive and the redemption story of Jesus. And serve those in need of the love of God remember, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission, made for God's mission, and our mission and your mission here at River's Edge. Let's pray. Father, we look at this story and we we hear your words, speaking to Abram, calling him from obscurity into the center of the world at that time, and saying, I will bless you and I will make you to be a great nation so that you can bless others and others will be blessed through you. Lord, that's our prayer. That's our prayer individually and corporately this morning here at River's Edge. Lord, our our prayer is that you would make us into a blessing. Give us opportunities to bless others and see that blessing come. Lord, would you you use us in such a way that that others are drawn to you in the lives that we live, lives that, that live redemptively to show others what it means to be a part of your, your family and your kingdom. So, Father, we pray for that. We pray for that in the lives of the families in, in Freeman this morning, still hurting and reeling from the events. Lord, may your love and redemption and restoration pour out upon them in great measure. Father, in the places you place us, use us for your glory as your people, as the ones called to bless and to love and to point others to your son, Jesus. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.